So, the other day, I woke up, and it was late, and I had to get ready for work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I went in the bathroom, and I was, like, still super sleepy. I hadn't, I didn't put my glasses on yet. So I grabbed my toothbrush, and I was like, oh, I gotta brush my teeth. So I grabbed what I thought was toothpaste and put it on my brush and started brushing my teeth. No. Only, you know, three or four seconds into brushing, I was like, what? What is this? It was a super hydrating cream face mask. <laughs> Where was it from? Is it from Lush? Uh, no, it's not from Lush. Oh, no. It's, um, I don't remember what brand it is. I got it in my FabFitFun box. Oh. And not it's an lovely. Ad. Not an ad. <laughs> But it's wonderful for your face, but it's in, like, a turquoise kind of greenish colored bottle. Yeah. And my toothpaste is in a pink bottle. Okay. And I just went, oh, minty, green. Okay, that's it. yeah. And then I was like, okay, I need to put one of these in the drawer. (laughs) (laughs) So as to not... And then I had super moisturized teeth all day. I was going to say, were they super slick? (laughs) Yeah. It was... Oh, my gosh. It was... I had to brush several times. I was like, oh, Ooh, God. And then I had to change the head on my toothbrush. It was a real crisis. Was there any um, poison in the face? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Just stuff Anything. that doesn't taste great. Okay. I was asking if it was lush because if it was just like oatmeal. Oh, no. Yeah. Also, everything from lush comes in a black pot. So yeah, this is in a very distinct tube. <laughs> Not distinct enough, clearly. <laughs> Oof. Uh, oh, hello. Oh, hello. Hi, everyone. Hello. Again. Again. <laughs> Welcome to That Broad's Got Moxie. Yep. My name's Kiana. I'm Cassie. It is um, Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, not for you guys. For you guys, it's... Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning. <laughs> Wednesday afternoon. It's whatever time you're listening to it. But, uh... As we're recording, it's bright and early on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kiana's got prior engagements this afternoon. Yeah, I'm gonna go see Willy Wonka. <gasps> fun! Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. And then she's gonna play a Star Wars RPG game <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking boss. I'm a guest, uh, and during it on a campaign that's already happening. <laughs> so great when you told me that yesterday i was like i'm sorry you're gonna need to explain this a little bit more <laughs> i've it's weird for me to join because i've never seen all of the star wars movies yeah i've seen two as mm-hmm. we were previously talking we were about. just talking about it mm-hmm. um but i'm coming in and i'm gonna be drunk <laughs> i'm gonna be a drunk like heiress who's just collecting funny looking things around the galaxy it'll be gorgeous i'm really excited will you just take a snapchat for me or like (laughs) have somebody record my entrance right i want to i want to see how this all goes down i'm really excited (laughs) i'm kind of excited too because nobody knows that i'm playing yet oh it'll be glorious it's gonna be good i'm gonna be shopping for wedding shoes because when this comes out guys danny and i will be in London mm-hmm. as our elope, like part of our elopement. Yeah. <laughs> so we're running away to, we're running away to Scotland to get married, but we'll be in London first. Yep. Looking around. So looking around, hopefully finding some really, I'm really excited to go like vintage shopping because I've heard London's the place for it. Yeah. There's, oh, I don't wear it much anymore. I have a red flannel that I used to wear all the time that I got mm-hmm. in London. Nice. Because there's a um, a thrift store where you fill up a bag uh-huh. and then you pay 10 pounds. I'm into it. For whatever you Are can you going to need to write bag. that down for me? <laughs> <laughs> I have to remember where it is. Okay. Ask Abby. I will. Maybe she'll know. Yeah. Abby is my lovely roommate. Abby's a fucking peach. Lovely. I don't know anything Abby. about Abby, but every time I see her come across our Instagram, I'm like, oh, God. She's so cute. <laughs> She's a sh- shining star. She's she fantastic. Is. Ugh. We love it. Also, we're going to go on a... We're going to go to the Harry Potter... We're going to go see Gringotts because it's open 
and it has not previously been open. Oh. So we're going to go see the studio tour and we'll get to see that. Yeah. I'm losing it. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Who goes first today? Me? (laughs) What episode is it? Is it 11? No. No. 12. No. It's 12. It's 12? Okay. So it's me because it's an even number. Is it Easter? What? Oh, yeah. Easter just happened because it is, when this comes out, today is the, what, 24th. So Easter just passed. So hopefully everybody had a lovely Easter where we will have had the Eggster party at Canada's house several weeks ago. Yeah. We're all getting very excited for it. Yeah. There's a whole group of us. Who are just gonna like carpool together and show up? <laughs> it's just gonna be the whole family dinner crew. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're just gonna see a party that's too much. Too much. <laughs> that's okay. There will be booze. Yep. Which we are not drinking this morning. Kiana has her gigantic Starbucks. It's just a venti <clears throat> coffee. Nothing fancy. Oh. Come and I have down. a Don't bottle of water. <laughs> okay. Well, let's. I can get rolling on this. Yes, you. We just said you were going first. Yeah, I am. Okay. <clears throat> Please stop coughing. Look, Danny will edit that out. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the person I'm talking about today is Carmen Miranda. Why does that sound so familiar? Boom, chicky, boom, chicky, boom. She's she's got the big. She's got the, <laughs> She's got the big fruit hat. Okay. That's what she's famous for. Okay. 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 So you know who she is. I know who she is. I know her yeah. as, a, as a figure. As a figure, yeah. But, but not, I don't know her story. Okay. Please it's, tell me. It's a good one. Okay. So Carmen Miranda was born Maria de Carmo Miranda de Cunawa. Kun, Cunan. Mm, that's a hard one. <laughs> you know what? We're just gonna whoa, we're, we're gonna go with that. it. Her, Carmen Miranda. Okay. <clears throat> um, she was born on February ninth, nineteen oh nine, in a small village in Portugal. Okay. So in December of that year, her father Jose, um, who was a barber, emigrated emigrated to Brazil and settled in Rio de Janeiro, where he opened up his own shop, his own little barber shop. And then her mother, Maria, who was a seamstress, followed in early 1910 uh, with their two daughters, Olinda and Carmen. Although Carmen never returned to Portugal, uh, she retained her Portuguese nationality. And then in Brazil, her parents had four more children, Amaro, Cecilia, Aurora, and Oscar. Mm-hmm. I know. Cecilia's... Danny just gave me this, like, oh. Cecilia is Danny's grandma's name. Oh. And it's really sweet. So she was christened Carmen by her father because of his love of Bizet. I don't know if you say it Bizet or Bizet. I have no idea. Anyway, um, from from that person's operatic masterpiece. Have you ever heard oh. of the, the opera Carmen? Yeah. So in the early, oh gosh, the early 2000s, MTV... Did like a version of Carmen and Beyonce was Carmen. I was just gonna say, <laughs> do you know what they called it? It was a hip hopera. That's right, it was a hip hopera. That was the OG hip hopera before Hamilton came out. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember watching a documentary about like Beyonce's career. Uh huh. And the word hip hopera <laughs> stayed with me. <laughs> It's good. For my whole life. It's a good one. I, it, it was really beautiful. And so, uh, so yeah, that's what she's named after. Nice. This passion for opera influenced his children, and thus began Carmen's love for singing and dancing. She attended school at the convent of St. Therese of Luzeau. She always dreamt of a life in show business, though her father did not approve. Her mother was very supportive, despite taking a beating when her father found out that Carmen had auditioned for a radio show. Uh-oh. So, yeah. N- much to her 
much to her dismay, she did she did support Carmen in, in all yeah. of her endeavors. Yeah. Miranda's older sister, Alinda, developed tuberculosis oh. as a teenager. And unfortunately, she didn't yeah. live very long. But she, when she got tuberculosis, she was sent to Portugal to get treatment for it. Oh. Which is weird because, like, then the only treatment for tuberculosis was, like, fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, you know what you don't have enough of in Rio is fresh air. <laughs> so. Go back to Portugal. Go back to Portugal. Which I guess they have. I'm sure they do. It's on the list of places to travel. That's so. True. We're all going to Portugal and Spain have you in ever, a couple years. Have you ever been to the Pidoc Mansion? I have, yeah. Do you, the rooms that they have there, the TB rooms? Oh, I've no, I've never been inside. Danny's been inside, oh. but I've never been inside. We went up there when we were doing Questival because we had to do yoga oh. in a pretty place. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that's where we went. Yeah. But I do want to go and, like, adventure around. It's, it's real cool. Yeah? Yeah. I went there rec- I went there. Because every elementary school, like, third grader goes oh, uh-huh. there for a field trip. Uh-huh. And then when Maddie came, when I graduated... Oh, yeah, yeah. I had taken her up there to, like, see the sights, and then we went uh-huh. inside and looked around and stuff. Oh, that's fun. But they have two separate wings that are, like, just windows. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when people had TB, they were sent here for fresh air. Oh, shit. And it's like, well... <laughs> How'd that work out? <laughs> right? Not medicine. Just breathe deep. Breathe yeah. real deep with your lungs that are collapsing. <laughs> it's not great. So anyway, she was sent to Portugal for treatment, and Carmen uh, worked at a tie shop at the age of 14 to help pay for her sister's medical bills. Oh. Yeah. They were very close. Um, they they were, I think, two years apart, but they were they were very close. And then she worked in a boutique where she learned how to make hats. Hmm. And then later, um, a few years later. <laughs> I see where this is going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, a photo is to come. <laughs> hats will be involved. So after she learned how to make hats in this little boutique, she then opened a successful hat store of her own. Hmm. Do, do, do. So shortly after her 20th birthday... Carmen was introduced to Jose de Barros, uh, who is a composer and a musician from Bahia. And I think, I don't actually know what Bahia is. That's a state in Brazil. Okay, that's what I thought, but I was like, I, I, I wasn't sure if it was a city or if it was a prop, you know, whatever. Anyway, she met him while she was working at her family's inn. With the help from de Barros and Brunswick Records... She recorded her first single, mm-hmm. and it was a samba called Now Da mm. <laughs> <laughs> Now. Oh gosh, this is I can't. It's in Portuguese. <laughs> the it's look, like you went into that with such confidence. You were like, "Okay, I'm reading my notes," and then you started that, and immediately were like, "Oh." oh. <laughs> Perplexed, I could see. I know. Kiana's <laughs> looking the at me. Turning. <laughs> the hamsters are just waking up. <laughs> We're working on it. Um, I think it's now va simbora. I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. Uh, and that was in 1929. Miranda's second single sold a record 35,000 copies in oh. 1930. Oh. Yeah, I was like that. That's. A lot of copies of music mm-hmm. in 1930. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's set records, which is really impressive. Yeah. Um, she then signed a two-year contract with RCA Victor and gave them exclusive rights to her image. Oh. So she's like, do what you will, just help me make this music. Mm-hmm. And then after doing short contracts with several other record labels, I'm kind of skipping yeah. ahead because she recorded a ton of music and a pretty short amount of time mm-hmm. and she's got a whole a whole big long history so anyway rca and then she did two-year contract with them and then did short like one and two-year contracts with other labels and then she signed a contract with odeon records and after doing this um that made her the highest paid radio singer in brazil at the time 
Oh, damn. Yeah. So she really climbed to the top pretty quick. Yeah. Carmen's rise to stardom in Brazil was linked to the growing popularity of a native style of music, which is the samba. Mm-hmm. After that, she began her film career singing and dancing and eventually had some speaking roles, but they were really short. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you're pretty, you sing and you dance really well, but mm-hmm. we're going to leave the uh, the real acting, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to, you know, to other people. That's too bad. Yeah, it is. Although she became synonymous with her colorful fruit hats <laughs> during her later career, she began wearing them only in 1939. Hmm. So, you know, like a decade after she was introduced. Yeah. Prior um, to that, they were just... Prior to that, she was just wearing everyday normal things, you know, yeah. of the time. But she had appeared in a film, Banana de Terra, that year, and basically was this big, glamorous version of the traditional dress of a poor black girl in Bahia. Mm. And that consisted of, like, a big flowy dress mm-hmm. and a fruit hat turban. Okay. So, in this movie, they played it up and made it this big, glamorous thing. Yeah. Is she black? She's from Portuguese. She's Portuguese. Okay. Oh, we'll get there. Okay. There's some controversy. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, she sang a song called Diz Que Dem, which intended to empower a social class, which was usually disparaged. Okay. So she's trying to, to put this image out there, but did not necessarily go over super well. Yeah. So shortly after she had appear- appeared in that film, mm-hmm. a Broadway producer named Lee Schubert offered Miranda an eight-week contract to perform on Broadway mm. in a in a show called The Streets of Paris. Oh, dang. And like Broadway, Broadway? Yes, Broadway, okay. Broadway. Like, straight from Rio to New York City. How um, Really? Right? I was like, that's crazy to be just kind of swooped up and like, I want to give you the run of a show on a Broadway stage. Mm-hmm. And this is like the... Broadway is a, a thing. I mean, obviously, Broadway's always been a big thing. Yeah. But the 40s, like, things were really kicking up. And these over-the-top productions were really becoming a thing. Yeah. So she basically was like, yeah, I'll go. But she insisted that the only way she was going to go was if Schubert brought her band along. Oh. Which I thought was lovely. It was like, it was a six-person band. And she was like, I'll go, mm-hmm. but I have to have my band with me because I can't rely on these, you know, American musicians to be able to play this music the way it should be. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Exactly. So he basically was like, okay, but I'm not paying for them to get to New York. That's shitty. <laughs> <laughs> it is. But the president of Brazil okay. decided to pay for the band's transportation. He believed her exposure in the U.S. would strengthen the ties between the northern and southern hemispheres, mm-hmm. and she would act as a goodwill ambassador, okay. which she did. And I put, not to mention, it would help boost coffee sales, which really, <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It all, it all come, it always comes down to money, yeah. but they were like, you know, <laughs> if we get one of our own. On the big, you know, on the big stage in New York yeah. City. Maybe they'll buy more coffee beans. That's every time I see a Brazilian, I'm like, hmm, mm. do I want coffee? <laughs> <laughs> what a weird thought. <laughs> that's, that's a very weird Like, that's not... <laughs> you know what I think of when I see someone from Madagascar? Hissing cockroach? Vanilla. Oh. <laughs> Uh, but any more obscure references you'd like to throw out? Um, no. No, okay. All right, fair enough. <clears throat> I, I didn't think of Vanilla. That was a genuine guess. <laughs> so she left for New York on the SS Uruguay on May 4th, 1939. And so, pre like, before she before she got there to do her show... Ticket sales for Broadway had been super low 
because the world, the 1939 World's Fair was in New York. Mm-mm. And was everybody was going to that instead of going to shows. Yeah. And so she got there, opened this show. People were blown away by her. And the press called her the girl who saved Broadway. Oh. Yeah. I was like, damn. That's a title. <laughs> yeah. She, she really came in and just stole the show and people were just like had to had to go see her she was so novel and new and exotic yeah so 20th century fox took notice of carmen and they were captivated by her exotic look heavily accented voice and potential star power Mm -hmm. i put over the next five or six years carmen would be featured in over a dozen films she was often typecast go figure yeah and given very few, if any, speaking roles. Again, so she's in these films, but she's she's singing and dancing, and she's playing. She's playing the role mm-hmm. of of this Brazilian yeah. exotic singer dancer. Yeah. Uh, but not actually having like a character. A character. Yeah. yeah. She's just a caricature. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Although the studios called her the Brazilian bombshell, the films blurred her Brazilian identity in favor of just a general exotic Latin American image. Mm-hmm. So like she kind of... <laughs> right? <laughs> Weird. <laughs> um, so she became a hodgepodge of Brazilian, Mexican, Cuban, Argent- Argentinian, and other Latin America and Caribbean cultures. Mm -hmm. Threw a splash of that in there as well. Although Miranda's U.S. popularity continued to increase, she began to lose favor with some Brazilians. Mm -hmm. On July 10th, 1940, she returned to Brazil and was welcomed by cheering fans. Which is very exciting. Yeah, that's nice. You know, people... There were a lot of people who loved her and thought she was doing really great things. Mm Mm-hmm. But soon after her arrival, the Brazilian press began criticizing her for playing into American commercialism and projecting a negative image of Brazil. Okay. So she was selling a caricature, and she knew it. Basically, she's a sellout. Yeah. Members of the upper class felt that her image was, quote, too black. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Yeah. Yeah, kind of, because... She's not. Mm-hmm. She's very light-skinned Portuguese woman. But also, they she was criticized for singing bad taste black sambas. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> mm. yeah, and so like, obviously, Brazil is this huge melting pot mm-hmm. of cultures. Yeah. Um. So you have these aristocrats saying, "Oh, you're." You're, you're, you're being quote unquote too black Mm -hmm. or you're singing this bad taste black music. Mm -hmm. And then you have another group of people Mm -hmm. who are like, you're clearly not black. Yeah. (laughs) But you're putting on this show and wearing this traditional costume. There's just, she's, there's a lot of people who are very up in arms about this. The, I believe it's called, oh, I might be wrong. It's like social democracy in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Or, it's not social democracy. It's something, essentially, it's this governmental idea that, like, there is no oppression or, like, favoritism towards mm-hmm. any certain race. But on the base level, it's very stratified uh-huh. in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And we were watching specific, I, it, I had a class on Brazil. Uh-huh. We were watching a video of uh, representation of black people in films, mm-hmm. and it was a bunch of very famous black actors and actresses mm-hmm. giving interviews, and they're like, we're not allowed to have the main role, um, mm-hmm. but they can be the background, uh-huh. but it too. <laughs> so one specific one that I'm thinking of is, it was a, it was a movie about a slave, mm-hmm. about a female slave who falls in love with her, like 
master and uh-huh. the master and like who's like oh my god slavery is wrong yeah and, like frees his slaves and all that but they're explaining this movie and they're panning over what is like a house and there's just a bunch of like black people laying around and like uh-huh. sleeping and then it gets to this one white lady <laughs> in the room <laughs> and it was like she's also a black slave <laughs> And it was, like, it's, like, like if we think whitewashing in films in Hollywood is bad, Brazilian movies are, like, super bad. Mm. So I can see the criticism of where Carmen Miranda sits in that. Absolutely. So, yeah. (laughs) She's also a black slave. It's like, nope, she sure ain't. It was, it was, I laughed out loud when I saw it. Because I was like, is this a joke? Is this for real? Right? Oh, boy. Oof. It's wild. Let us see. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, she's being criticized for all these things, but then also, she was criticized for playing a stereotypical, like, quote, Latina bimbo. Mm-hmm. Oversexed. Over, yeah. you know, over-exaggerated. People were upset by that. Yeah. So, five days later, Miranda appeared in a charity concert organized by the Brazilian First Lady, Darcy Vargas, and it was attended by members of Brazil's high society. She greeted the audience in English, mm-hmm. strike one, <laughs> and she was met with silence. Just crickets. Uh, I yeah, I know. <laughs> it makes me shudder. It makes me shudder to be like, hello, everyone. And then nothing. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. I know. I'm getting like goosebumps it because it makes me anxiety. so uncomfortable. I'm sweating. Um, so then she began singing a song called The South American Way. Mm-hmm. And it's a song from one of her club acts. And it's in English. And the song began to I mean, the song. The audience began to boo her. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, So she tried to finish the act, but then gave up, left the stage, and... Cried. And basically just cried herself to, you know, in her dressing room. It was very upsetting. I read that, and I was like, oh, gosh. The following day, the Brazilian press criticized for being too Americanized. Mm Mm-hmm. And then after that, she didn't return to Brazil for 14 years. Yeah. She was... Scarred. She was scarred. It took her a long time to to get past all of the the criticisms and... Mm -hmm. Yeah. She felt really... I think she felt really betrayed Mm -hmm. by her people because she was like, I'm I'm trying to show the world what I can do and that... You know, we're we're vibrant and we're exciting, but maybe didn't do it in the best way. And was she was kind of a sellout because she was like, I want to be popular. I want to be in films. So what do I have to do to be that? Yeah. So she goes back to America. In 1940, in 1943, she appeared in Busby Berkeley. <laughs> this is a great name. <laughs> Busby Berkeley's The Gang's All Here. Berkeley's musicals were known for lavish production, and Carmen's role as Dorita, Dorita, not Dorito, <laughs> featured the lady in the Tutti Frutti hat. So, a special effect that was done for the film made her, her giant fruit hat mm-hmm. appear larger than possible. Right. <laughs> Just as tall as her. Yeah, basically, it was... Uh, It was ridiculous. I don't know how they did it, but it's really funny. By then, she was typecast as an exotic songstress, and under her studio contract, she was obligated to make appearances in her ever more outlandish film costumes. Yeah. So, this, again, playing into this whole caricature Mm -hmm. of, of what a Brazilian woman is. Yeah. By 1945, Miranda was Hollywood's highest paid entertainer. Oh. And she was the top woman taxpayer in the United States. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty good for a girl with no speaking role. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so basically, she was earning more than $200,000 a year. And inflation is like $2.5 Damn. Yeah. 
So she starts making these movies in the United States. And then in addition to to her stage performances and things being criticized, her American films were also scrutinized by Latin American audiences for characterizing Central and South America culture in a very cultural, homogenous way. Mm-hmm. The films depicted Latin American cultures through the lens of American stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And basically, they're just pissed because Carmen was misrepresenting the people and the culture that she came from. Mm-hmm. But it made her famous. <laughs> and so she was like, here we go. So wanting her own creative freedom, Carmen decided to produce her own film for the first oh. time. So, you know, it is 1946. Investment talk kind of starts. And then the film she produced was Copacabana. Oh. Where she starred opposite of Groucho Marx. I did not realize that she produced that. Yes. So the film's budget was divided into about 10 different, like, investors' shares. Mm -hmm. One investor from Texas was like, I don't know if this woman can keep her shit together and actually do this. Mm -hmm. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. And so he sent his brother, David Sebastian, to keep... To basically keep an eye on Carmen and make sure that his interests on the set were met. Were met. Sebastian befriended Carmen, and then shortly after that, they began dating. Who said are you on now, Sebastian? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're not spying on your girlfriend for your brother now, are you? I don't know, is he? I mean, maybe. Uh. <laughs> I mean, the movie came out. It didn't do as well as they had hoped. Really? Yeah. I think later in, you know, later on, Mm -hmm. Copacabana became a much bigger thing Mm -hmm. because she did produce it. And I think she had a big hand in, like, writing and directing. And it was very much her creative outlet. But at the time, you know, it's right after World War II had wrapped up. And I, I don't think it did quite as well as they had hoped. And she's also, after after making films and after the war, her career was kind of in the decline. Mm-hmm. She was still making a lot of music, but wasn't appearing in as many movies, you know, musicals and stuff like that. So Carmen and David got married on March 17th, 1947, at the Church of the Good Shepherd in Beverly Hills. In 1948, Miranda became pregnant, but she miscarried um, after performing a show. Yeah. So things were not great. Mm -hmm. Their marriage was brief. Carmen, who was very Catholic, Mm -hmm. didn't want a divorce, though. Okay. So the couple announced their separation in 1949. So two years. Two and a half years, about. But they reconciled several months later. So she gets married. Things are on the decline. She wants family. She's having She was some having some problems with that. And she was a heavy smoker and a heavy drinker mm-hmm. being in that industry. Yeah. Probably more. <laughs> lots of lots of partying were, was happening. A lot of uppers and downers. Yes. I was just going to say. <laughs> and she, was, she began taking amphetamines. And barbiturates, which took, a, which took a huge toll on her health. Yeah. Taking uppers and downers all the time. It's very Valley of the Dolls, which is, it's very sad. Yeah. Uh, great like, movie if you've never seen it. I've never seen no? it. No? Oh, it's good. I think of, um, oh, what is her Judy Garland. Yes. Judy Garland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she. <laughs> exactly. Very similar, very similar story. Yeah. Or Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. A lot of the bombshells. Yeah. Of that era did not have, did not have happy endings. Yeah. Because of the industry that they were working in and trying to maintain. Them. Yeah. 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 A few years later, she had been filming a segment for the NBC variety series, uh, the Jimmy Durant show. Mm-hmm. According to Durant, Miranda had complained of feeling unwell before filming. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we're he, getting to the end. We are. She's on the final page. Yep. So he offered to find a replacement for her, but she was like, no, 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 I'm fine. This is, this is the story. After completing Jackson, Miranda, and Gomez, a song and dance number with Durant, uh, she, she fell down on one knee and people are like, you okay? Are you going to, you know, you know, you, you good? You going to make it? Yeah. She was like, give me an upper. Basically. Yeah. (laughs) Oh no. All, all day, every day there was, let's get you back up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I need to relax and now you're back up and it all over the place. After the last take, Miranda and Durant gave an impromptu performance on the set for the cast and technicians. Mm -hmm. Then the singer took several cast members and some friends home with her uh, for a small party. Mm -hmm. A small party that ended about 3 a.m. Oof. Mm -hmm. So she went upstairs to to go to bed about 3 Mm a.m. She got undressed, put her giant platform shoes in a corner, and lit a cigarette. She placed it in an ashtray and went into the bathroom to take her makeup off. Responsible. Uh, right? You gotta take it off. You gotta moisturize. Mm-hmm. Drink water. Drink lots of water. Make sure you put that face oil on. It's what I did right when you got here this morning. <laughs> Not on your teeth, on your face. <laughs> it's true. Solid, solid advice there. She takes her makeup off. She came out of the bathroom holding a small round mirror in her hand. And then she collapsed in the hallway. Um, after having a, a, a fatal heart attack. Oh Yeah. She was only 46 years old. Aww. Her body was found the next morning at about 1030. So in accordance with her wishes, Carmen's body was flown back to Rio de Janeiro and the Brazilian government declared a period of national mourning. Mm-hmm. About 60,000 people attended her memorial service at the Rio Town Hall, and more than half a million Brazilians escorted her funeral cortege to the cemetery. Mm. So, it's very sad. Yeah. She she really climbed to the top, and, and then because of, you know, because of the industry that she worked in and constantly trying to keep up keep up with everything happening around her she she didn't really have a chance Mm -hmm. so in 1956 her belongings were donated by her husband and family to the carmen miranda museum Hmm. which is in rio de janeiro and you can actually go i think you can i think it's still there today she has a star on the hollywood walk of fame oh nice and she was the first Latin American to imprint her hand and footprints on the sidewalk of Grauman's Chinese Theater. Oh. Which I thought was really exciting. That is cool. And then these are just a couple little tidbits of info that I thought were fun. So the Chiquita Banana Lady mm-hmm. is modeled after Carmen. Oh. And and then her vivacious personality and wild ensembles have re- re- have been recreated Many times. Yeah. That fruit hat. <laughs> it's it's iconic. Yeah. That's, it's super iconic. So, uh, Mickey Rooney appears in Babes on Broadway mm-hmm. in a whole, like, a whole Carmen Miranda ensemble. Mm-hmm. Curly from the Three Stooges yeah. <laughs> does a Carmen Miranda <laughs> bit. Lucy, uh, on, yeah. on I Love Lucy, performs yeah. At, at the club mm-hmm. and sings Boom Chicky Boom as yeah. <laughs> as Carmen Miranda and also Daffy Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Which was probably where I was first introduced to this <laughs> idea of, of, you know, this beautiful flowy dress and a big giant fruit hat. Yeah. It was probably Daffy Duck. So, hmm. yeah. That was nice. That was nice. I think she, she has a really... Lovely story, and I think she overcame, you know, and mm-hmm. had struggles with a lot of things. But I thought, I think she's really interesting. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool to hear about an icon that, like, you know, but you don't know but you, anything about. Exactly. You're like, oh, Carmen Miranda, fruit hat. Okay. Yeah. But you don't know anything about her. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all. That was cool. Thank you. That was nice. I like that. All right. Who are you talking about? Lay it on me. So today I'm talking about Vera Renzi. 
Have you ever heard of her? Um, the name, it sounds familiar. Um, but I'm probably completely wrong. Would you know her better as the Black Widow killer? <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just yelled so loud into the microphone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Danny's deaf now. Ooh, oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so as you know, mm-hmm. this whole week, are you recording? No, I stopped. I don't want your hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't need that sad. Oh, oh, bringing it. 100p this morning. I'm going to ignore you for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> oh, as you know, I've been watching a lot of Dexter. A lot of Dexter this A lot week. of Dexter, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, I should do a serial killer. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to talk about I would like to know... Just for our listeners. So the other day, I said to Kiana, oh my gosh, I was up until 3 a.m. Because I was doing my fucking homework. And Kiana goes, oh, that's weird. I was up till 3 a.m., but I was watching Dexter. <laughs> so, I needed to finish it. I, mm-hmm. I've i said this to you probably 10,000 times. Mm-hmm. But I started it a long time ago. And yeah. then stopped. And then for... Oh, I heard about the... um, What's his... What's his, the guy? Michael C. Hall? No, not no. Michael C. Hall. The uh, the copycat killer. The Dexter copycat oh, yes, killer. yes, that's right. Who was nothing like Dexter. No. Not just a pompous, a douche poor version of Dexter. Yeah. He mm-hmm. didn't even kill bad people. And like, no, that's he the was whole just point a of Dexter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, so I finished watching Dexter and was like, I should do a lady serial killer because I'm in that kind of like, ooh, I want to, I want to know psychopaths. Dark. <laughs> mood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say, actually, she's a little more like Dexter. Probably. Okay. Than. And I'll explain Ooh, why. This is, that was a bold statement, but I'll explain why. <laughs> um, so my sources are the Ladies' Handbook of Murder. Perfect. Uh, I book. can't believe there's a Ladies' Handbook of Murder. Yeah. That really tickles me. You have to know as a lady. <laughs> you sure do. Uh, the Mammoth Book of Women Who Kill by Richard Jones, mm. which was free online. Uh, Perfect. The Killer Woman Documentary, Vera Renzi, and LearningHistory.com. Perfect. All right. So Vera Renzi was born in 1903. These ladies were actually kind of running around the same time period, Mm -hmm. which is fun. (laughs) (laughs) On that side of the world, and now we're in Bucharest. So Vera Renzi was born in 1903 in Bucharest to wealthy parents. She was able to receive an education and had many societal advantages due to her parents' stature. Not only was she smart and wealthy, she was also extremely beautiful. Mm. So, yeah, she's she's hitting all the check marks right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When she was 10 years old, her mother died. And after her mm. mother's death, her father inherited land in Buk... Wow. Barrett, <laughs> <laughs> Barracule, and moved Vera there. To where what is, is... Where is that? Uh... Oh... <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, I boy. I've written in my notes <laughs> to what is now mo- uh, modern northern Yugoslavia, but that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, because Yugoslavia is not a thing anymore. Oh, the long gone. <laughs> Ooh, that's a copy and paste if I ever saw one. <laughs> Danny is losing her fucking mind right now. Uh, so what was, what was, you know, where Yugoslavia is now, which is Uh, Croatia, Croatia. Bosnia, Herzegovina, Mm -hmm. and that one with an A, because it's ABC. Azerbaijan? Nope. No? (laughs) That's in Asia. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Albania. Albania. That's right. Thank you. Okay. Um. (laughs) (laughs) A little history lesson for you guys. I just start sweating because now I'm wondering she's, what I did. She's, she's schwitzing. Um, okay. Uh, so here, <laughs> she was educated by several governesses. Mm-hmm. Let's move past that. Okay. Now this move, her mother's death, and the discipline that she was getting from the governesses truly affected her. And she became rebellious, selfish, and horny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> She became a little boy crazy mm-hmm. and desired the constant companionship of members of the opposite opposite sex. 
She was scarcely seen around town without a boyfriend on her arm, and because she was beautiful, rich, and smart, she had no problem attracting men. She was extremely possessive of her male suitors and demanded that any extra time that they had be devoted to only her. If they didn't, she would become jealous and suspicious of the men and leave them if they didn't leave her first. All right. And, like, you know, in all of the articles that I read, Mm -hmm. which were old, obviously, because uh, modern-day Yugoslavia... Um, <laughs> but they kind of they kind of say her her rebellious stage was bad, but like get your cookies, girl, get your cookies. <laughs> and you know what? You're a teenager. Yeah, like live your life a little bit. Mm-hmm. Don't be um, jealous and possessed like that. Bit. Yeah, maybe maybe like reel it in. Mm-hmm. Keep it keep it at a you know a safe. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's there's no problem at this stage in no. her life of her dating. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make that clear. Do your thing, girl. Do your thing until you start murdering people. Let's remember. That, that's right. <laughs> There's a line. Don't cross it. Yeah. Um, so the governesses were trying to control her, but it became nearly impossible. They couldn't go to her father and get him to control her because he thought that she could do no wrong and just referred to her as high-spirited. Uh, we love a high-spirited lady. <laughs> <laughs> until she starts killing people. Sorry, yeah. You're not sorry. on her side. I'm not. Definitely not. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, this, at one point she was found late at night in, a, in an all boys dorm, which was like, <gasps> scandal. And most often she would just run away for short periods of time mm-hmm. with her love of the moment. Yeah. As one does. Yeah. And she would return after a few weeks declaring that she tired of the men that she was just with. <laughs> she was like, I'm a, eh, it was fine. Mm. Her father started getting a little upset that she was running away all the time. But as it started to become a point of contention, um, she had met a wealthy banker in the area named Carl Schneck. Schneck. Mm. And he was very handsome and romantic, and Vera almost immediately fell in love with him. And with him, she no longer was the rebellious and daring woman that she had been. She's like, I found the one. Mm -hmm. And she was now modest and subdued and waited upon her husband's every wish. (laughs) (laughs) And I... And I wrote, you know it's love when you have to change literally everything about yourself yeah. to be with them. Mm-hmm. And so they soon got married. <laughs> of course they did. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Gross. All right. Um, so they settled down in a big mansion and became well-known and adored in their social, social circles. Not in the honeymoon phase of their relationship anymore. Vera soon became suspicious of the large amount of time that Carl was spending outside of the home. Mm. As she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... He, he was just a businessman who was away at work all day. <laughs> but He's like, I'm making that bacon, girl. Right, exactly. Like, there's like, I'll, I'll explain this. Okay, all right. Um, Vera didn't like it very much, but she never let it show. So, in true sociopath form, um, every, like, all of her friends knew her to be extremely charming and a lovely hostess to all of her friends. Naturally. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Together, the couple had a child named Lorenzo. And while this might have been a sign of a healthy, stable relationship, the child made Vera become even more suspicious of Carl and the time he spent away from home and was convinced that he was cheating on her with another woman. Mm -hmm. There's no real evidence that that actually, that he was actually cheating on her. Gotcha. Um, She was just hyper paranoid. Yeah. And a little... A little unstable. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Only three months after the birth of their child, uh, Vera walked into town with the baby in her arms looking distraught and sad. She went to her friends and told them that her husband had left her and her baby for another woman. And now they were alone in the house. Everyone was shocked with the news and had reassured her that this was only a small blip in the relationship, which like... (laughs) somebody if somebody ran away with another woman right i wouldn't i wouldn't be like super welcoming (laughs) coming back it's fine i wouldn't call it a small blip in my relationship no i'd be like it's over for sure Mm -hmm. exactly but everybody's like oh it's only a small blip in the relationship he'll be back and you guys will work it out and everything will be great and but in tears she had told them that he would never come back to her and she was right She was right. I wonder why. <laughs> she was right because she had poisoned him with arsenic and stored his dead body in a zinc coffin in their wine cellar. Fuck yeah, she did. <laughs> oh my god. 
Oh, shit. Mm. Mm. Yeah, she was like, no, no. He's never coming back to me because I made sure. <laughs> right. Oh, he never left gosh. me. His dead body is downstairs. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Holy um, cats. All right. We're off to a good start. <laughs> so a year after killing him, so she had mourned because the, the, like, period of mourning or whatever mm-hmm. is a year. I don't know social cues or anything. I feel like I'd be more sad maybe for over a year. <laughs> But after killing a year after killing him, she had told friends that she'd gotten word that he had been killed in a car accident with his mistress. Mm. So, with the go-ahead that Carl was gone, she was now free to date again, and she reverted back to the old ways of her youth, began dating boys, running off with them, and then dumping them soon after. Mm-hmm. Uh, this dating streak continued until she met a nam a nam <laughs> until she met a man named Joseph Renzi. Who in the, in every article I read had no occupation, but in the book was only described as a ne'er do well. <laughs> oh, we love a good ne'er do well. Um, Did they start a gang? No, dang it. With Renzi, Renzi. Clearly, they get married because her name is Vera yes. Renzi. With Renzi, she became modest and subdued and waited upon his every wish. Wish oh, again, in the same way that yep. And because she clearly thinks that this is what happens when you're in love, she married him. Oh, for Pete's sake. Mm. Girl. <laughs> you check yourself. Because <laughs> you've done wrecked yourself. <laughs> if you just want to keep dating people, just keep dating people. Yeah. I'm sure tr- this is the 1920s, so this is more frowned upon to mm-hmm. date, a- date around. But just to just to our listeners now, this is a, sh- this is a PSA. Um, date whoever you want. And don't murder people. Done deal. I think that's I think that's good. Easy peasy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be long into their marriage when Vera again became jealous and suspicious of the time that he spent away from home. Oh boy. But this time around it was clear that he was actually cheating on her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean he deserves it, just get a divorce. Mm-hmm. And he'd started cheating on her like four months into their marriage. Mm-hmm. Which is like, just don't get married. Yeah. yeah. Clearly he's not ready for it. Clearly. That ne'er do well. Mm. Not not ready for it. Now at this point, I like to imagine that she was just sick of his shit and was like, "Blah, I need a drink." Went into the wine cellar, saw her ex husband's <laughs> coffin, and was like, "Oh, <laughs> that could do." <laughs> well, that'll work. So because just like with her first husband, she poisoned him and put him into a zinc coffin in the basement. And then went crying into town to tell her friends that he'd also gone off with a mistress. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just saying, first of all, are they in the same zinc coffin or did she go get another? Different, different oh. one. Mm. Mm-hmm. That seems suspicious. <laughs> right. Okay. Like, I'll tell you later. <laughs> but she, nobody needs more than two zinc coffins. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't, I mean, I can't imagine there's that many people making zinc coffins in the first place. Right. So when you keep going to the same person, you're like, hey, do you remember me? I bought a coffin from you last year. I'm going to need another one. Mm-hmm. I Maybe it's just me, but I feel like you'd be like, that seems fishy. Yeah. But she got, so she got a, away with a lot of stuff because she was a rich, She's white gorgeous woman. and smart. Pretty. And wealthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, what could she do? And it's also at this time where, like, Women weren't seen as a threat. Exactly. It's very Chicago. Like, yeah. oh, some men just can't hold their arsenic. Exactly. And it was, yeah. So, people weren't suspicious of her because it was like, what could she do? Mm-hmm. She's a whore. Like, that's it. Right? Mm-hmm. It's fine. Um, Get married to her. See what <clears throat> happens then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> shortly following this, this being the murder, mm-hmm. she picked up her want- wanton behavior behaviors... I wanted that to come off real, like, ooh, look at, I know words, mm-hmm. but that I really stumbled over that, <laughs> so now I just sound like a big dummy. Anyways, um, <laughs> she picked up her wanton behavior. Ugh, boy, wanton behaviors is a hard one. <laughs> wanton. Wanton. Be- <laughs> she made lots of dumplings. <laughs> yeah. She was a pot sticker. <laughs> anyway, wanton behaviors and was just enjoying her life again. Um, however, her actions were looked down upon by the people in her social circles because it was ob- because obviously ladies couldn't enjoy themselves back then, and she was completely ostracized by them. 
bitches. Because they were like, um, you don't have a husband. No. You're a spinster. You're a single mother. Yeah. Mm. And you shouldn't be flirting with boys. Exactly. Uh, however, she didn't care. Because <laughs> she had the adoration of many uh, lovers. Mm-hmm. It was also that at this time that she realized that she didn't really need to remarry anymore. She was just kind of over it. She's like, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So... With her stunning features and wealth, there were no shortage of admirers. The man, the men came from an array of backgrounds and social positions, and all would vanish within months, weeks, and in some cases, even days after becoming romantically involved with her. Oh, no. When connected to men uh, she was openly having an affair with, she would concoct stories of them being unfaithful and having abandoned her. So all these men, she's like, oh, they don't like me. They love me like my two husbands did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> One evening. Oh, okay. So I say that she's more like Dexter because the Dexter copycat killer, mm-hmm. that's what people called him. He had written a story that was like, oh, I'm going to kill cheating husbands. That's right. But he didn't. He didn't kill cheating no, husbands. No, he killed people that he, like, he scammed cat- he on. He catfished on a dating site. Yeah loser but she dated a lot of married men and would mm. kill them so that's why i think she's more like dexter because you see yeah you see where i'm mm-hmm. reaching mm-hmm. she's been scorned by men and mm. now she's killing men who are clearly scorning their wives mm-hmm. by getting involved with her which is like none of your stop that stop, stop. killing people mm-hmm. there's a there's a bad pattern here yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't kill people one evening, a man w- that was being followed by his wife, who had be- suspected him of being oh, unfaithful, shit. went to Vera's house. The man went to Vera's house uh-huh. and never came out. His wife, who was like, well, that's fishy. He's <laughs> fucking in there somewhere. She had then called the police to the scene where Vera did her old song and dance about being abandoned. But this time, there was a witness that was like, no, mm-hmm. he didn't abandon her because he's not with me. I'm his wife. Yeah. This led police to investigate her home, where they went into her wine cellar. Oh, no. What did they find? They found a plush armchair. Gorgeous. Fun. Mm-hmm. Wine. It's a wine cellar. Mm-hmm. And 35 unburied <gasps> zinc coffins, each oh! containing a male corpse <gasps> in varying states of com- decomposition. Oh, my. 35? Mm-hmm. Two questions. How big is this fucking wine cellar? <laughs> Probably really big because she's rich. Oh my god. And second of all, again with the zinc yeah. coffins. How do you buy 35 zinc She went to Costco <laughs> and went, I'm gonna need a whole pallet. <laughs> she got a, an amazing deal on zinc coffins. She just really scored. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. And she did this over the course... Oh, I didn't write it down. But I believe she did this over the course of 10 years. So her first husband what? is in this coffin decomposing. Oh, my gosh. Over 10 years. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And in the documentary, this was a weird... This was a weird fun fact that I was like, this is gross to know. 20 minutes after your death, your the bacteria in your stomach huh. starts to be like, okay, on the go. And then uh, yep. your, body, your body starts decomposing. Oh. It's 20 minutes. 20 minutes, yeah. It's real fast. <sighs> oh, gosh. Death is swift. <laughs> Anyways. Um... Especially for cheating husbands. <laughs> right. Um, obviously, after this dis- discovery, Vera was taken into police custody. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, here, she confessed to the murder of the 35 men, which included her two husbands and her son. <gasps> oh. She told police that one day when her son had come to pay her a visit, he had accidentally discovered the coffins in her wine cellar and threatened to blackmail her. And so she poisoned him and disposed of his body. Which, if you're going to blackmail a murderer, maybe don't have a cup of tea with them afterwards? Yeah. Just a thought. Just a thought. Mm, But we're not victim blaming. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's just a weird, just a thought. She also feared that he would leave her soon to marry someone else. Not someone else, because he did not marry her. Oh. But -hmm. someone. He would leave her to marry someone. Mm -hmm. And so she held him in her arms as he lay dying, so she would be the last person to hug him. Oh. Oh, that's not... That's not nice at all. That's just sad. Yeah. Oh, gosh. 
She's um, like, well, if I if I can't if I can't be the woman in your life that you love, mm-hmm. then no one can. Yeah. Ugh. <clears throat> that's that's a thing. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Here, she also confessed that she liked to spend time with the bodies of the men and talk to them, which is why there was the armchair downstairs no, with all the bodies. She just gets shitty on a bottle of wine and is like, <laughs> you fuckers. <laughs> You're a bunch of cheating bastards. Try to leave me now. <laughs> <laughs> but also, how creepy is that thought of just like oh, a so lady creepy. surrounded by 35 coffins? Nope. I don't want to be surrounded by a coffin. <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad at funerals. I cry. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like is normal. <laughs> I mean, talking to 35 of your dead lovers is not, I think, normal. Oh, gosh. Yeah, real gross. Oh, boy. It is unclear why she'd murdered all these men, but she chalked it up to love. Naturally. That's what you do when you love people. Right. She knew that with all of them in their in her basement, they could never leave her. However, uh, this is not a good reason to kill someone. <laughs> I love Danny a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good reason to kill someone, so she was sentenced to life imprisonment, where she subsequently died. Well, mm-hmm. that was a journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like when I, whenever I read that, mm-hmm. I was like. The Brooklyn Nine Nine bit, where Andy Samberg's like, "Cool motive, still murder." <laughs> <laughs> so all of it is worth noting that all the reporting of the Renzi case can be traced back to a single source in a U.S. magazine published in the period, and despite extensive researches in the region where the case was said to have taken place, no original local source material had been found to date. So. Hmm. For that matter, there's no evidence to support the idea that Renzi was even alive or that she was convicted of these murders. I'm sorry. It is Are you telling me that this might just be a fucking urban legend? Mm-hmm. So no! It's, well, listen. <laughs> it's possible that the records were lost in the political turmoil in the area. Because um, mm-hmm. it was... Uh, yeah. That's a thing. lot of things happened. But it's also possible that her whole existence was a hoax. Which is wild. <laughs> No, this really happened. I believe it 100%. Right. And she's, I believe, she's like the original, like, Black Widow. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a good story. Yeah. Oh, that's 35. Boy, 35. I don't think. Nope. And, like, in the documentary they, were, documentary, they were talking about how it's very common for trophies to yes. be kept. Mm-hmm. Which, if you know true crime, like, you know that that's what happens. Yeah. But her trophy was just a full-ass dead body. A full-ass dead body <laughs> in, in its own in its own neat little zinc coffin. Right. Like, no, keep keep a finger or a lock of their hair. But the whole, like, I have this wine cellar. It's nice, cool temperature down here. Mm-hmm. What else could I put in here besides wine? <laughs> Oh, I know. Dead body. Ooh. Oh, goodness gracious. It gives me the shivers. Yeah. So that's very well. Rinty. Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> Those are pretty opposite ends of the spectrum today. Mm-hmm. Same year, though. I like it. Same, yeah. Same time period. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny. Like, the. there's a lot of people. That was just a. <laughs> there's a lot of early... people who were alive at the same time. <laughs> A lot of women, a lot of women that are worth, uh, that are worth noting and talking mm-hmm. about, uh, we're all kind of in the same general time, time period. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How about okay. that? How about that? Well, uh, we've come to the end. Yes, we have. You do the social medias today. If you would like, please, please, please follow us on our social medias, social media accounts, on Facebook and Instagram, we are at that Broad Scott Moxie, and on Twitter, we are at Broad Scott Moxie. Yes, and you can um, <laughs> you can email us stories that you have or suggestions, which we've gotten several of, and where we'll start incorporating those. If you have stories about Moxie ladies in your life, which we're also gonna start doing here pretty quick, it's, it's in the works. So there's new things coming. 
corrections, anything. If you just if you have questions and just want to pop in and say, hey, you're great, uh, you can email us at thatbroadscottmoxie at gmail.com. And then also wherever you listen, mm-hmm. uh, rate, review, subscribe. Please, we love please, those. Please. please. We love those good reviews. Mm-hmm. We got a couple, and we got a five. We have five stars know, so I, far I on iTunes, which makes me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. That's. I think that's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. We love y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.